0: Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story, and we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adam Seed. I wanted to take just a few moments to speak to the kids. So if children, if you're worshiping with your mom and dad, hopefully you saw the video that Miss Diana made this week that told you how to make a palm leaf that we could wave. Uh, I did not follow her directions as closely as probably you did. So mine is a, a strange looking palm branch. But she told us this beautiful story about when Jesus went into Jerusalem on that day, that day that we're celebrating today, Palm Sunday, and how people began to wave the palm branches and throwing down their cloaks, and they were proclaiming that word. So if you've got your palm branch right now, I want you to wave it with me, and let's proclaim, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. Hosanna is sort of a a funny word, a word we don't use a whole lot, a word that's really an exclamation of praise, of joy. Let me ask you, what's one of those favorite words that you say when you're excited about something? One of mine is, yippee. I love to say yippee. Can you imagine in years from now, if instead of us saying Hosanna, what if we were saying, yippee, yippee? But it's more than just an exclamation of praise. It's an exclamation crying out, save us, save us. And today, in the midst of all the circumstances that we're in, I want you to know that the God who saves is the God that we're celebrating today, who comes to us right where we are. And so I wish so much that we could all be together. I wish I could see you prancing around, uh, playing with the palm branches. Some of my kids used to use them as swords as they would fight each other with them. But today, in your own homes, may you be able to proclaim, Hosanna, save us. Oh, God. So thank you for being here today. This morning, we have a scripture reading. We've already referenced the Palm Sunday scripture. But as we're entering into Holy Week, we are reminded that next Sunday, before we we can celebrate next Sunday and the resurrection and the victory, we've got to go through a journey. And so today, we're reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, and we're beginning at verse 30. I invite you, if you have your own Bible, grab that and turn with me. Matthew 26, when we're beginning with verse 30. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to him, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks be to God, indeed. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning once again. As I said, my name is Pastor Corey, and I'm the associate minister here, and we are grateful that you have been called to this place. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us one who saves. That's what Hosanna means, save us one who saves. Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. So as Pastor Adam said, let us wave our palm branches in praise and adoration. Let us lay down our cloaks on the road as Jesus, this one, enters into Jerusalem. This Sunday is, in a way, our rehearsal, a foretaste of what is to come when we gather next Sunday. When we hear those words that change everything, absolutely, for always. He is not here. The words that reveal to us that Jesus is not dead, but has been raised, I can't wait. But church, it is far too tempting to wave our palm branches this morning and simply come expecting flowers to adorn The cross next Sunday. Because what you see is that what lies between this Sunday and the empty tomb cannot be missed. If we are to understand how and why Jesus' resurrection saves us, then we must be willing to walk with Jesus as his disciples and bear witness as our Palm Sunday celebration quickly shifts from shouts of Hosanna to betrayal, denial, and ultimately shouts of crucify him. The prophet Isaiah proclaims, the people are grass. Their constancy is like the wildflowers. And those verses have always echoed in my mind as we enter in to Holy Week. And we witness and participate in this shift from praise to condemnation. What Isaiah is saying is that we are easily moved, easily blown about. We are not dependable. We are not faithful, not on our own. And so we, as this Lenten season calls us to do, we intentionally choose to face our fragility as Christ followers. Especially this week, we purposefully recognize the ways that we are proud to exclaim Hosanna and are quickly moved to deny, to betray, to condemn, to taunt, to crucify Jesus. We should find ourselves this week in many places. Palm Sunday should stir within us excitement. Easter is so close. Thank God we need it. But it should deeply trouble us that we are still so far away. This morning, Pastor Adam read to us from Matthew's gospel, beginning in chapter 26 with the 30th verse. And the reason we begin in this verse is because we're continuing to explore questions that Jesus asked his disciples. And the question we find here that we're going to explore together is one that he asked in the garden, where he's gone to pray to the Father, to pray for guidance, to pray for deliverance, and ultimately for acceptance. He's told the disciples to stay awake and pray, to keep watch while he spends time in prayer. He wants his friends close. He needs them, and Jesus wants us close this week. But when he does return to them, he discovers that they have indeed fallen asleep. And so Jesus asked Peter, the rock, could you not stay awake for one hour? And what I think this question reveals is something that the entire passage that we are looking at this morning points to, that The disciples, even those who are closest to Jesus, those who will eventually carry this message of life and hope to the entire world, even if it costs them their lives, still here in the garden, after they've shared in the last supper with Jesus, even as Jesus has warned them again and again, even at the beginning of chapter 26, he tells them the son of man will be betrayed and handed over and crucified in two days. He's told them what is about to happen. And still, these most faithful friends, these disciples, their actions don't reflect that they understand what's at stake in this garden. In these coming days, do we understand what is at stake in these coming days? Even as Jesus tells Peter that they will be scattered from the shepherd, that the sheep will be scattered from the shepherd, Jesus says, Not me. I will not abandon you. And Jesus replies, don't be so sure, Peter. Because before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me three times. And even after these words, Peter promises Jesus that he would never deny him or abandon him, even if it costs him his own life. Yet we know that Peter will indeed deny Jesus three times in just a few Verses. And so, here, before Peter's denial, we witness this scene in the garden where Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, as I mentioned, are here to keep vigil, to pray, to watch. But they can't. They just can't stay awake. Jesus finds them sleeping not once, but twice as he goes to pray and returns to them. And this question, could you not stay awake with me for one hour? This question is stuck with me lately. They're there in the garden with him, and they can't stay awake. Why can't they give Jesus one hour? Maybe they're not taking this seriously enough. They don't know how imminently what Jesus has described will take place, that he will be betrayed and murdered. It's midnight. They're exhausted. Jesus won't mind. They've done this before. Many scholars say that Jesus prayed in this particular spot many times. Nothing had ever gone wrong before. Or if we look at Luke's gospel, he's slightly kinder. He says that they fall asleep because of grief. I know that feeling when you're just so emotionally drained that you melt into sleep almost involuntarily. They've endured so much these past few days, and if they've begun to reckon with the future that Jesus has described, and that anticipated grief, it must be weighing so heavily on them. But for whatever reason, they can't keep their eyes open. Jesus still needs them to pray, to stay, to keep vigil. Even if the disciples don't understand, Jesus knows what's about to happen. We know Jesus knows because he's just prayed to God that if there is any other way, let it be. But he also prays, not my will, but your will. And he returns from those words to find Peter and the others sleeping. Could you not stay awake for one hour? But he continues and he says, Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus says, You're not just staying awake for my sake, but for your own. And Jesus knows they want to obey, but they don't. The flesh is weak. We are so weak. That's what, that is what these days between now and Sunday are meant to reveal and remind us of. We can relate to this. We've experienced those moments in our lives when we've known the right thing to do, but for whatever reason we've done what we know is wrong or what we've wanted to do instead. We hear God's voice clearly speaking, and yet we choose to listen to our own or to the other voices we hear. Just recently in our Wednesday night Bible, Wednesday Bible study, our speaker shared that his dog, Maybell, who he takes out one last time before bed each night, never on a leash or anything because he can trust her. She's a good dog, she's very attached to him. But sometimes when they go out late at night, Mabel hears the coyotes calling and she perks up but he knows if she runs he's going after her and if she gets to the coyotes then she's just a snack so he starts saying Mabel don't you don't do not Mabel and she looks at him giving him that knowing stare and then she bolts into the night Despite his warnings, despite the danger, despite her trust in him that he is her master, she can't resist. How many times have we had that exact moment? We know what the master has asked of us, and yet the lure and excitement and adventure of the coyotes is just too tempting. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is so, so weak. And sleep is tempting. Just pausing, numbing ourselves to all the noise. The reality of what we're facing, it's tempting. How can we blame the disciples for wanting to turn it off, even for just a moment? The truth and tragedy of what is coming, the truth of what surrounds them now, that fear and anguish and pain and grief. It's enough to make any of us fall asleep to the world. These are the disciples who've seen God's glory. They were present at the transfiguration. If any had the stamina, these three. But they don't. They can't, at least not on their own. We cannot do it on our own. We're incapable. Even as Peter is so sure of himself, he still denies three times. The one who had a front row seat to all the miracles and the teachings and the glory, he still falls flat on his face when fear overwhelms him. He can't remember the promises he made just moments before. Peter abandons Jesus when he claims not to know him. The disciples abandon Jesus when they fall asleep instead of keeping vigil. And I wonder in what ways do we see ourselves in the disciples this week? What realities might we be trying to numb ourselves from? And in what ways have we fallen asleep to the calling that Jesus has for our lives? We are all Peter and James and John called to keep vigil in the world this week, called to be a faithful witness to the journey toward Galgatha. Peter and James and John, this moment, it convicts me deeply. It should convict us all. Our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak. We will deny. We will betray. We will fall asleep. But there is deep comfort here that Jesus doesn't take the journey before they fall asleep, before they deny, before they betray. Jesus takes the journey because we have fallen asleep, because we have denied, because we have betrayed. Let me repeat that. Jesus doesn't go to the cross because we have stayed awake. He goes because we can't. This week makes us conscious to our weakness and to both our individual and collective need for a savior. This week holds the rhythm that ensures that we don't come next Sunday expecting the cross to be adorned with flowers, never having been first adorned with blood. This week reminds us that grace and love are costly to God. For several years, I had the privilege of participating in Duke University Chapel's live stations of the cross. A dear friend of mine, McKinnon, coordinated four actors each Holy Week, and we did this together for about five years. And on Good Friday, the community would gather on the steps of the chapel, and we would begin a procession, stopping as one person would mark the spot with a large banner the other actors and myself would take on the physical positioning to portray each station of the cross. And at each station, we would change who portrayed the characters. In one moment, we'd be the crowd jeering as Jesus fell for the first, second, and third time. And in another moment, we'd be Mary seeing her son or the women of Jerusalem weeping for Jesus. The vast distance between these characters always felt so much closer than I thought it would. One moment, I'm part of the crowd. Another moment, Simon of Cyrene. One moment, a soldier. Another moment, a mourning disciple. We were all of them And then in Jesus' final moments, we'd reenact Jesus being nailed to the cross. Something that never changed, however, was the emptiness and sadness that came at the end when everyone assembled once more on the chapel steps and we walked past the last actor portraying Jesus, now laying on the steps of the chapel. We'd walk over And past Jesus, leaving him behind, abandoning him. It always stirred within me deeply how much I desperately wanted to be with Jesus, how I wanted to draw close to him and not leave him there or not fall asleep. But you know, I never did go back, right? I always kept going with the crowd. This is the story. Church, what we will witness this week is that we will leave Jesus behind. We will fall asleep. We will deny and betray him because we are grass, easily blown about in the world. And because of that, we so desperately need the one who saves us. We need the one for whom we shout This day, save us, one who saves. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Let us pray. Save us, one who saves. Jesus, you created the heavens and the earth, yet you did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, you emptied yourself. You took on the form of a slave and being born into human likeness. And because of that, you humbled yourself. You became obedient to the Father, even unto death, death on a cross. Oh, how costly your love is. And therefore, God lifted you high and honored you, giving you the name above all names so that all of creation would bow before you in worship, recognizing our deep, deep need for your salvation. Save us, one who saves. And reveal to us the power of your resurrection as we move toward the empty tomb. In Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online once again at orangemethodist.org. Thank you.